I'm going to invite you to open your Bible with me this evening. After two weeks of taking a break from the book of Joshua, I'm excited to be back here and continuing our series through chapter by chapter through this book. So we're in chapter 13. If you would open your Bible this evening, Joshua chapter 13. And we've come to the place in this book where we've hit now that midpoint part because from chapters 1 to chapter 12, it's the portion where the nation of Israel in the leadership and with the leadership of Joshua have conquered the land. They have crossed the Jordan River. Moses has now given over the leadership to Joshua. And they've crossed the Jordan River now, taking over Jericho, Ai, and the surrounding northern and southern now territories. But now after conquering the land in the first half of the book, we see here from chapters 12 to chapters 24, they now divide the land. So first they conquer the land, and now they divide the land. And we're starting to learn here as we're studying this book that the fruit of stepping out in faith are the promises of God. (laughs) The fruit of stepping out in faith are always and is always the promises of God. So as they step out into the Jordan River, they're stepping into the promises of God. They're stepping into the will of God. (laughs) Did you know that every step of faith is a step into the will of God for your life? So we titled this message tonight, Give Me This Mountain. (laughs) Would you turn to your neighbor and tell him that? Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Because we're going to reach a place here where we study a very important character, and that's the, his name is Caleb. But before there, we're going to see how the nation of Israel still has more steps to take when it comes to steps of faith. And understand this, that no matter how many victories that we've experienced, there are still more battles to fight. No matter how many spiritual victories you and I have experienced in our walk with the Lord, there are still more battles to fight. And here they're possessing the promises of God. And we see that the promises, is, is, is we see a word here in chapter 13 is used over 50 times only in nine chapters. It's the word inheritance. And what does it mean that they inherited the land? You see, when you inherit something, it means that it wasn't initially yours. And it reminds us here that the Lord was the sole owner of this land, and Israel inherited the land by God. That means that the ownership of the land was a pure, gracious act of God, but their possession of the land and the enjoyment of the land depended upon the submission and upon the obedience now to the Lord. You see, the enjoyment now, the possession of the land, the possession of the promises of God also depend now upon our obedience and our submission to God. And it's called an inheritance, promises 
are called inheritance. The possession was called an inheritance because the promised land was a gift of God's love. Everything that we have is a gift of God's love. Everything that God gives us is a picture of grace. And it was important that they realized this was an inheritance. This means that it wasn't yours. That God gave it to you by his grace. So we're going to go over two major points as we go through these chapters. Number one, there remains more. <laughs> That's the first point. There remains more. And number two, further steps of faith. There remains more and then further steps of faith. Why? Because there still remains more to be possessed in our spiritual walk in the Lord. How many of you can say amen tonight to that? Joshua 13 verse 1 says this, Now Joshua was old. <laughs> this speaks to many of us tonight, right? No. But notice this. Notice this. God had a work to do still in the life of Joshua. Even in his age. Because there is no limit, no matter how young you are or how advanced in age you are, God wants to use you in every season. And notice what happens here. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old, advanced in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. There is still much land yet to be possessed. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you because your word tells us there still remains more. I ask, Lord, that you would teach us that we would grow, that we would be encouraged. Lord, that there remains more to be possessed in our walk. That there is more to do still for you, Lord. So thank you, Lord, for this chapter. And I ask, Lord, that we would have that attitude of, give me that mountain. <laughs> Lord, because we want to continue to possess, Lord, our inheritance in you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Together we said, amen. Now it said, the, now that Joshua was old and advanced in years, the Lord said to him, this is something that we continue to see through every chapter in the book of Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua. What does this remind us of? That Joshua is hearing the voice of God in every season of his life. The book started when Joshua was a young man and now he's old, advanced in years. But he's still discerning the voice of God. And it tells us that we need the voice of God for every season of our lives. In fact, he's hearing the voice of God, not only for every season, for what the season is that God has for him next. And when we see here that, that God, through his word, is, is pointing out that Joshua now has become old and advanced in years, it reminds us now that everything in life is a season. But it also speaks to us that there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Now when it says much land to be possessed, it speaks of there remains much yet to be conquered. There's still a lot unpossessed territory, Joshua. 
And it speaks to us initially as we read this that no matter how long we've been with the Lord, notice this, there's still more that can be done in the Lord. That no matter how long we've been serving the Lord, there's still much more that we can grow in the Lord. You see, we must never come to a complete rest when it comes to past achievements or else God's purposes will not be realized. And we ought to take the, the, the past, the victories that we've experienced in the past as lessons only to move us forward. And you know that the Lord had to remind Joshua, Joshua, yes, you are getting old and advanced in years, but the land, the work, the promise, the inheritance was not limited to Moses, and it wasn't limited to Joshua, <laughs> The land did not die, the work did not die when, when Moses became old and advanced in years, or even when Joshua became old and advanced in years. The work and the calling of God in the promises of God transcended generations. And much still needed to be conquered and possessed. You see, when we read this verse, we start to understand that we never fully arrive when taking steps of faith or taking steps of obedience. We must never be partially satisfied uh, with anything less than what God has for us. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote that just very strong chapter to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 3? He says, I don't count myself to have been apprehended. I don't think that I've arrived just because I'm here now. But I press toward the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing on for that prize. So what is it that the Lord is telling Joshua? There's still more work to do. Paul told Timothy, he said, meditate on these things, these things that I'm passing on to you in 1 Timothy 4.15. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Why is this important, this very first verse in chapter 13, that we would never look back with regret that we didn't step out where God wanted us to do, but that we would look forward with faith and with obedience. Here the Lord is telling Joshua, Joshua, there is more to be done. You see, our prayer should be, Lord, lead us regardless of the season that we're in, to higher ground with you. Lord, teach us, reveal to us what areas in our lives, in our walks, still need to be possessed for Christ. Because the land had been possessed, the land had been conquered, but there were some areas that were unconquered for the Lord. They were unconquered by the nation of Israel. Just think about how much we can still possess for Christ in our lives. How much we can still grow in our knowledge of the Lord. How many pages of the Bible now are unpossessed or are unexplored territory now that we have not marked or underlined that God wants to show us who he is through that? How much unexplored now fellowship and unpossessed time we have still so that we can get to know the Lord. What is it that he's reminding Joshua? There's still many battles ahead. 
And oftentimes in our lives, we have not fought every battle because we have been really now elusive and evasive when it comes to the enemy in the Christian life, and we've chosen an easier path. And we've become comfortable, but here he says, there's more to do. Now notice in verse 2, he says, this is the land that yet remains all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Geshurites. From Sihor, which is the east of Egypt, as far as the border of Akron northward, which is counted as the Canaanite, the five lords of the Philistines, the Gazarites, the Astadites, the Ashkelonites, the Gidonites, and the Ekronites, also the Avites. And he speaks to him now from verse 1 all the way to verse 7 about the unnow conquered territory that the nation of Israel yet had and was not remaining, was remaining yet to possess. The five lords of the Philistines, from the east now to the south as far as from verse 4 and 5, it tells us the borders now of the places where Joshua still had to, or the nation of Israel, still yet had to possess. But notice that all that the list of those places also came with a promise. And the promise is in verse 6. Notice, all the inhabitants of the mountains of Lebanon, as far as... You see that word comes up many times, those words, as far as. And they remind us in Scripture that we should go and we should step out as far as God is calling us. That we should never go short of anything that God wants for us. As a brook now, Meresphoth, and all the Sidonites, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and a half, the tribe of Manasseh. What is he saying? There are these tribes. You have yet to conquer them, but I will drive them out. And I will give this land over to the nation of Israel. You must obey me and follow my plan now and divide this land by lots. Now, if you notice that in verse here, six, it speaks to us that they were to divide it by lot. You see, lot meant that they would use it almost as if drawing straws for us in our day. And they would leave that as a system where they would now think of it and give the decision unto the Lord. (laughs) We're going to draw now a lot. We're going to cast a lot, almost like casting a a a dice or a roll and saying, In the answer, we're going to give it unto the Lord as to how we were to divide now this territory. You see, casting lots is is symbolic of letting God choose your path for you. When it comes to receiving all that God has for us, we must let him be our guide. When it comes to allowing God to choose that place he has for you, you must let him be your strength. When it comes to really now knowing what's that next season look like for me, you you must ask the Lord, Lord, you be my wisdom, you be my all, you make the decision, Lord, I will follow you. And now they're dividing that land, the inheritance. But there's an encouragement here in these verses that the Lord would drive them out. He says, I want you to do this, and I'm giving this land to you as a special possession. Do it just as I have commanded now. 
But here from verses 8 to verse 13, we see now the division of the land from those that were settled on the east side of the Jordan River. Now we see that there were a few tribes, three tribes, that decided they said, they told Moses when they came to the Jordan River, Moses, we want to stay on this side. <laughs> and you can go ahead and cross over there, but we want to settle on this side of the Jordan. Why? Because they saw the land. And the land was a good land that was suited for raising cattle. But now they decided that they weren't going to live in the land that God appointed for them. And notice this, that didn't bother them. <laughs> has it ever come to your mind that God is calling you to step out farther? And we are so comfortable, it doesn't bother us to be in a place where he hasn't called us. But the east side of the Jordan River, notice, it was a place that was extremely vulnerable now for a military attack from those that lived there. Not only that, for ungodly influences. So God had told, told them, I need you to cross over so that you can inherit the promises. And here from verses 8, now to verse 14, we're going to see now a description of how the land was divided on the east side before they crossed to these tribes. It says this, verse 8, And with the other half of the tribe of the Reubenites and the Gadites, which were two of the three tribes that decided to stay and settle on the east side, it says, which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them. And from verses 8 all the way to verse 13, it tells us which is the lands that now these tribes possess and inhabited. But in verse 13, it explains to us this, Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Maconites, but the Geshurites and the Maconites dwell among the Israelites until this day. <laughs> you see the temptation oftentimes where God calls us to do something, and we step out in faith, but we fall short of everything that God wants for us. And we drive out the enemy. What was the specific instructions that God gave them? Drive out every single person in the land so that you can possess it. I have given it to you. But along the way, the nation of Israel started to make treaties with the people that were in the land. And it said here, it speaks in verse 13, that they did not drive out those that were in the land. They failed to drive out those tribes or those people. And they still live among them today. What happens when you fail to drive out that which God has asked us to drive out, you forfeit the blessing in your life. What happens when God says, I, I want to bless you, but I need you to drive out that in your spiritual walk? <laughs> I, I, I want to take you and advance you spiritually, but I need you to drive out now that sin that's taking place or the works of the enemy or the works of the flesh. You know what takes place is that now we forfeit the blessing that God has for us. Because God had intended to give them everything. But now they were willing to share the space with some of the people that were living there. God told them specific instructions, drive out the enemy. Now notice verse 14, it speaks of this. Only the tribe of Levi, he had given no inheritance. So it says these tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, they received an inheritance and it it, it, uh, Gileadites, it tells us of which was their territory. But the tribe of Levi, they had not given no inheritance. Moses did not give them anything. 
He had not given no inheritance, and the sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. You see, in Numbers chapter 18, verse 20, the Lord had told Aaron, you shall now have no inheritance in the land. Aaron was a part of the priests and Levites. It says, nor you shall have any portion among them when you get to that land. But he told him specifically, you're not going to have the land as the Levites that serve in the tabernacle, in my presence, in the presence of God. You will not have any land because I'm your portion. I'm your inheritance among the children of Israel. You see, for the tribe of the Levites, the Lord had promised them that they would be now sustained from the burnt offerings of the altar. But most importantly, they were to be satisfied in the Lord. They were to be satisfied in that, in the Lord and in nothing else. So it speaks about the Levites. And then from verses 15, as we continue reading to verse 23, we see the tribe of Reuben and the land that they now received in all the plains where the territory extended. So you go from verses 15 to verse 23, it speaks of all the land of the now tribe of Reuben. We go to verse 24 as it speaks of all these territories and now it shares with us the land of the tribe of Gad. Now, again, everyone that now settled on the east side of the Jordan River. Moses assigned to them from one territory as far as from verse 24 to verse 28 was the inheritance of the children of God according to the families and the cities of their villages. And then we have another tribe, the half-tribe of Manasseh. Why? Because half of the tribe of Manasseh stayed in the east and another half of the tribe of Manasseh went now to the west side of the Jordan River and it tells us this, and from verses 29 all the way to verse 33, that Moses gave them now a place on the east side. And notice this as we read about these tribes. It says, these are the areas, verse 32, of which Moses distributed as an inheritance in the plains of Moab on the other side of the Jordan by Jericho eastward. You see how they were, where they were living on the east side of the Jordan River? You see, these three tribes teach us a very important lesson. And the lesson is this, to not become a borderline believer. (laughs) You know what a borderline believer is? That I'm willing to get close to the will of God, (laughs) but I'm not going to get close enough. (laughs) I still want to live my life my own way. I still want to settle in my own comfort zone. (laughs) I don't want to step out to where God wants me. I want to follow the Lord, but only at the edge of his will. I don't want to fully step completely in the will of God. And these half-tribes, these three tribes, two tribes, and the half-tribe of Manasseh stayed on the east instead of entering into the inheritance that God appointed for them and rejoicing in it. Think about how many times the Lord calls us to enjoy his promises and the blessings that he has for us, but we hesitate but we settle, but we compromise for less. And here we see again in in verse 33 of chapter 13 of Joshua, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance as God had said 
to them. Who was their inheritance? This is an important lesson for us to know as the land is being divided. We're going to continue to see that the Levites had no inheritance of land. Why? Because the Lord was their inheritance. And their special ministry was the tabernacle. Now, why is it that the Lord decided to not give the Levites land? (laughs) Because he gave them a calling. And he said, I want you to serve in the tabernacle as my priests. I want you to be there to offer the sacrifices. I want you to be there now to serve in the tabernacle. And God wanted them to devote themselves fully by serving him to not be distracted, to not be hindered in their communion with God. So he says, I'm not going to give you land because I've given you something else. (laughs) And I want you to know I'm your inheritance. I am now your blessing. What an important thing for us to know, that our inheritance is not in what we possess, but it's in who we are in Christ Jesus. And there are many times where we start to compare our inheritance. Just think about how the Levites felt. Everyone's getting a piece of the land now. And they said, you know, we don't have a piece for you. (laughs) And there are times in our lives where we start to look at other people. And we start to think, well, why can't I have what they have? Instead of enjoying the inheritance that God is saying, I am your inheritance. We should never let material things, possessions, relationships rob you of your true inheritance. What is your true inheritance? The Lord is. And the Lord promised that he would be their portion and they were to be satisfied in the Lord. Are you satisfied in the Lord today when you think about it? The Lord is your inheritance or do you need something else? Are you satisfied where God has you? You see, the Levites teaches an important lesson about not being dissatisfied at the place where God has you today. (laughs) They say, Lord, wherever you have me, you are my true inheritance, and my inheritance comes from you. I'm not going to compare where you have me and where you have someone else and to look at what they have. (laughs) Do you remember the promise that the Lord gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1? It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. You see, Abraham and the Levites teach us a very important lesson. That the most valuable things in life, the inheritance that is most valuable in life is that which comes in a relationship with the Lord. We're saying, Lord, I don't need anything else. Lord, you are my possession. I want to serve you, Lord. You are my possession. And you see here that there's more to do. And this calling that there's more to do with Joshua now, you see in chapter 14 that there are further steps of faith that must take place. So if there's more to do, what does that mean for us? That we must continue to take steps of faith. If there's still unconquered territory in our lives, that means we must continue to take steps of faith. And here in Joshua 14, it says this, now speaking of the land that was divided on the west side now of the Jordan. From verses 1 to verse 5, it speaks of that which the children of Israel inherited on the other side in the land of Canaan that was distributed. It says this, these are the areas in which the children of Israel 
inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. These are the areas. Their inheritance was again by lot. What does that mean? They left it up to the Lord to decide what it was that they were to receive. And it said, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half tribe. What is it that they did? They divided it the way God had told Moses. They honored now the plan. They honored now how the Lord spoke to Moses and they carried out the plan. Now in verse three, it says, for Moses had given the inheritance to the two tribes and the half tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites, he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land except the cities to dwell in their common lands for their livestock and their property. What does it mean? That they didn't get any land, but there was areas called common lands or small towns within the lands of other tribes. And this was a shared space where the Levites could also have now their now livestock and their property to be able to hold in these shared common spaces of the other tribes and of their land. So it tells us this, as the Lord commanded Moses, notice this, so the children of Israel did and they divided the land. You see, verse 5 is very important as we read it because it says that they distributed the land in strict accordance as God told Moses. Don't you just appreciate this, that Joshua came in and he says, I'm going to follow the plan. I'm going to honor the previous leadership and I'm going to honor what the Lord showed Moses and I'm going to honor the plan that was set in place as to how to divide this land and this blessing now. And they did everything according to how the Lord had said, except at this point, they had a still land to conquer. What is it that you see here taking place? That they're following the instructions of the past. You see, when we take steps of faith, it's also important. When we take steps of faith forward, that we also follow the instructions and the lessons of the past. Because those are the ones that are going to carry us to be able to stand in the will of God and in the promises that God has for us. And now you see here that Caleb is introduced to us in verse 6. <laughs> and Caleb is an example of overcoming obstacles. In fact, when you think about Caleb, you think about a man that had an example for us of faith and of patience. There are two things that we need to really ask the Lord for more, and what is that faith? What did the disciples tell now the Lord? Oh, Jesus, increase what? Our faith. We need the Lord to increase our faith. And another area in which we really lack oftentimes is the area of what? Patience. <laughs> but we see through Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, that, that Caleb is an example of that verse because it tells us this, that you don't become sluggish, that you don't become spiritually dull, but imitate or follow those through, that through faith and patience they inherit promises. 
How is it that you and I can inherit a promise today? How is it that we can walk in God's promises or in God's will for our lives that maybe God gave us a word or a verse and he says, I want you to hold on to this promise where it takes faith to believe in that promise and it also takes patience to see that promise unfold in our lives. Why patience? Because the promise will will unfold in God's timing, not in our timing. And we have to understand that. And you see here that Caleb was a man of character. Patience is a character quality. I love what Erwin Lutzer said when he said, you can tell the character of a man by what it takes to stop him. (laughs) By what it takes to stop him. Good men could have become great if they would have not stopped too soon. You see, Caleb is a demonstration of faith and of patience. He was going in the same calling that God had called him, in the same direction. It was long obedience in the same direction. (laughs) That has to be our vision. Long obedience in the same direction so that we would be able to step in to the promises of God. Notice what happens here as we read about the life of Caleb. Then the children of Judah came, verse 6, to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, out of the tribe of Judah, they came now to Gilgal. And, and Caleb speaks out now. And you know that Caleb not only was a man of faith and of patience, but he was also a man now of the word of the Lord. Because he quotes on this. He stands on that. (laughs) You see, time may pass. Things may get old. But the word of God endures forever. (laughs) The Bible says itself, the Lord said that the flowers fade away and the grass withers, but my word endures forever. Notice what Caleb does here. It says, now you know the word which the Lord said to Moses. And in that statement, what Caleb is doing, he says he he had held on to the word of God for that time. (laughs) There are times in our lives where we're going to see, well, well, maybe there are things that are not happening the way I thought they would. (laughs) Or I stepped out in faith, but I'm not seeing the fruit of that now venture or that journey of faith. Or maybe I'm disillusioned or I'm let down by what took place when I decided to obey the Lord. I'm not seeing anything happen. Notice what happens. What do you do in that time? You hold on to the word of God. You hold on to the promises of God that they would be fulfilled in his timing. Because Caleb said, you know which the Lord told me now through Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Bernia. Now was it? Wasn't it Caleb and Joshua who were longtime friends now in the history of the nation of Israel? He says, you know what the Lord has told Moses, the man of God? What does he do? He honors Moses, but he honors God's word first. Do you see how he's honoring God's word? You know what the Lord said? He honored God's word. What the Lord told Moses, the man of God, he honors his previous leader as well. But notice what Caleb does. What the Lord told me now at Kadesh Now let's keep reading. I was 40 years old 
When Moses, not only was he a man of God, but he describes and speaks well of him. This is so refreshing. And he says this now, Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Gadespernia to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. You know what the Lord told Moses, Joshua? In fact, he said this about you and me, Joshua. We were 40 years old. In fact, he says, I was 40 years old, Caleb is saying. When, when in Kadesh Barnea, the Lord the, told Moses to send us out to explore the land here of Canaan, and I brought, brought back word to him of all that was in my heart, or I brought back an honest report. What is he talking about? Back in Numbers 14, when they were about to move forward, and now what does Moses do? He sends out the spies. And it says that he sent out 12 spies. And among those 12 spies was Joshua and Caleb, Caleb being 40 years old at that time. And he's now giving now the story of when he was sent out. Verse 8 says, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Would you circle that in your Bible? I wholly followed the Lord my God. Why is this important? It says that the others made the heart of the people melt. It says they made the heart of the people melt. What does it mean? They discouraged others. They made them afraid from taking steps of faith. That was the problem. Do you remember they went out and the 10 of them came back and said, you know what? There are those that are giants out in that land and we are like grasshoppers in compared to them. But what did Caleb and Joshua come back and say? Now, Caleb is saying, I wholly followed the Lord my God. That word, wholly followed, it means I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. What does it mean that when God called him to step out, he didn't doubt God? He didn't waver at the promise that God would give the nation of Israel that land. He followed the Lord with his whole heart. What an important thing for us to look at right now that we can expect to step into God's promises if we're following him half-heartedly. And there are times in our walk that we follow him half-heartedly, but we expect to be in the promises that God has for us. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that, that, that only two of them came with encouragement, but 10 of them, the majority came to discourage the nation of Israel from marching ahead in the name of the Lord. You see, we have to be very careful not to discourage others in the body of Christ from moving forward in taking steps of faith. We have to be very careful about not being negative when God calls us to take steps of faith forward. Why? Because it will cost you the promised land. Do you know for those 10 that came and discouraged the people, what did the Lord say? These 10 and the generation that complained and was discouraged, they're not going to make it in the promised land. But as far as Joshua and Caleb, they're going to make it. Why? Because they wholly followed the Lord. In fact, it tells us in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. They were complaining and said, there's no way we can do this. But Caleb quieted the people. He says, let us go up at once and take possession for we are all able to overcome it. 
He had faith back when he was 40 years old. Why the majority of the people measured these giants upon their own strength and they looked at the giants and and they saw there's no way because they were looking at their own strength. But Caleb and Joshua, they measured the giants against God's strength. And they said, with God, we can do it. Some people saw this as danger, but Joshua and Caleb saw this as an opportunity to see God work. We have to have faith enough to say, Lord, we may not know how this is gonna play out, but we have faith that this is an opportunity to see you work. To see you work. You see, Caleb is so amazing here because Caleb didn't let the attitude of other people stand in the way of his personal spiritual progress. And he kept following the Lord. You know, there are gonna be times in our lives where we're gonna wanna step out in faith. And others may misunderstand you, but they should never stand in the way of your spiritual advancement with the Lord. Do you remember in Numbers 14, 24, how the Lord described Caleb? It said, but my servant Caleb, he has a different spirit in him. And he has followed me fully. I'll bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. But Caleb has a different spirit. He has followed me fully. You know that word different spirit, what it means? But Caleb has a different attitude than others have. And he has remained loyal to me. So I'll bring him in the land that he explored. His ascendants shall possess it and they shall fully share of the land. What can be said about us as we're waiting for the promises of God? You know what the Lord said about Caleb? He has a different spirit. (laughs) He's not like everyone else. He has a good attitude. He's being loyal to me. He's fully, wholeheartedly following the Lord. Notice this, in obedience. Now notice what happens here in verse nine. So Moses swore on that day. Now he's telling now what took place. Saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Because you didn't take the easy way out. Moses promised that that wherever I walked, that would be my inheritance because I wholeheartedly follow the Lord with absolute commitment. And what is the now outcome of the obedience was the blessing. There's always blessing in obedience. He didn't take the easy way out. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Notice how encouraged he is still. And he has said these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. Now, what an amazing story here in Caleb. He's saying, it's been 45 years now. I was 40 years old. It's been 45 years. The Lord has kept me alive since God spoke that word to Moses. And since the Israel wandered in the wilderness, in fact, he's saying many have gone, many have died, some are no longer here, but now here I am, 85 years old, still going strong. Still faithful, amen. He wasn't discouraged, he wasn't impatient. 
Why? Because it's never too late. Notice this, and I want you to know this. It is never too late to take new steps of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's never too late. We can still have this attitude that Caleb had where he said, I want to conquer these, this mountain. At 85 years old, he was holding on to the promise of God. Notice this, regardless of the time. Has God ever given you a promise? He said, you know what, I'm going to give you this, or I've called you to do this. And we say, Lord, well, give it to me now. And the Lord wants you to wait to prepare you for that time. Because he has many battles along the way before he allows you to inhabit the promise. But we have to ask ourselves, how long are you willing to wait for God to fulfill his word in your life? How long are you willing to wait? Is six months, is a year too long for you to hold on to the word of God? Because sometimes God waits that long to do what we think he should do now. But Caleb here is an now example of being patient so that we can possess the promises of God. And you know what he does? He's patient when it comes to the area of time. Of time. You see, time is, is another barrier that we have to overcome if we want to see God conquer that mountain for us. Patience and perseverance that God is going to do it in his time. You see, faith and patience are both signs of, of spiritual maturity that demonstrate that we truly trust God to do what he said and to do what he promised. But what is it that we have to do? We have to be patient. And you know what he was? He was patient. Verse 11 tells us this. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Not only was he patient, notice this, he was courageous. I'm still here 45 years later, I'm 85 years old, and I'm as strong as the day when Moses sent me. I'm as strong as the day now when I was sent out to fight and to travel and to journey, I could do it today as I was doing it then. He was willing to wait on God's timing. He was willing to wait on God's promises, but he was willing also to continue to fight battles. You see, we must never retire out of trusting and serving the Lord. We must never do that. Because no matter how old or how young we are in the Lord. Age is never a barrier for doing the will of God. It's never a barrier for doing the will of God. You see, this is the attitude that God wants us to be in our spiritual life, even as we advance in years. We may say, well, we're growing older, but we're never growing weaker in Jesus. We're growing stronger in Jesus. Amen. So we have somebody that's excited on this side. <laughs> That we would remain faithful, believing in God's promises. And notice this, 45 years, Caleb never stopped being a man of faith. He didn't waver. He didn't say, well, Lord, I thought you were going to give it to me now, so you know what? I'm going to quit. I'm giving up. 45 years later, he shows up and he says, I'm, I'm coming here to turn in the promises of God, of what he has said in his word. 
He may have been older, but he still had faith. He may have been older, but he still had vision. He may have been older, but he, has, he still had love for God. And notice what he says here in verse 12. Now, therefore, these are the, th- the words <laughs> that are so impactful for us. Now, therefore, give me this mountain <laughs> which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. <laughs> Look at the courage, the faith, the vision of Caleb at 85 years of age. He didn't say, you know what, I want to settle. Give me a plane. No, he said, give me a mountain. Give me this battle. Give me this challenge now that the Lord promised. Now, I want you to know something when he says, you've heard that the Anakims live on this mountain. The descendants of these Anakims live there. And you know that the Anakims live now in these cities with great fortified walls. Now, what are the Anakims? You would ask yourselves. Not only did Caleb say at 85 years of age, give me a mountain, I'm going to take it over. But on that mountain, the Anakims were giants. (laughs) He said, give me the giants. 85 years old, I have faith to conquer mountains. 85 years of age, I have faith to face the giants. Do we have faith today to face the giants? But you know why he had faith to face the giants? It tells us in verse 12, it may be that the Lord will be with me. There there it is. Why did he have courage? Because he knew the Lord was with him. And because the Lord was with him, he says, I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Because he's with me, I can drive them out. Because he's with me and I'm following the Lord, I have courage to continue. I have faith to ask for mountains. I I can ask the Lord, give me the giants. (laughs) Because if he's with me, he's also going to make me able. Isn't it awesome that we don't rely on our own ability? We rely on his strength and his power. We don't rely on what we know or what we can do. Because the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. In fact, Jesus said, if you have faith like a little mustard seed, you would say to that mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move because nothing will be impossible for you. This is what it looks like to trust the Lord. But notice this, failure to drive out the enemy. Failure to drive out the enemy is always due to failure of not wholly following the Lord in utter obedience. Because when you're wholly following the Lord, you know what you're going to do like like Caleb? You're going to drive out the enemy. You're going to face the giants. You're going to take on the mountains. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm fully following you, so give me that mountain. Now notice what happens in verse 13 as the worship team comes out. And Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephna, as an inheritance. What did he do? He said, experience God's best for your life, Caleb. He blessed them. And he gave him what? Hebron to him. Why did he give him Hebron to him? Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Because he wholeheartedly, he was not half-hearted in his devotion. He was not half-hearted in his faith. He never gave up on trusting what God had said. He wholly followed the Lord, so the Lord gave him Hebron. Do you remember Hebron? 
was the place where Abraham pitched his tent and where God spoke to Abraham face to face. Hebron was the place of fellowship. Hebron was the place of love. It was a place of communion. And Caleb now cherished that place, the place of Hebron that we must all seek regardless of the cost. Lord, give us Hebron, the place where we can fellowship with you face to face. Lord, give us that mountain. And it says, in the name of Hebron, formerly was Kirja Erba, and was the greatest man among the Anakim. And the land had rest from war. The land had rest from war. Why? What, what does rest mean? And the land had peace. It implies a freedom from anxiety. It implies a freedom from, from conflict. God promised Israel rest. The fruit of victory, what is it? It's rest. And Hebron was a peaceful place. But the peaceful place depended upon Israel's complete obedience to driving out the Canaanites. Maybe today you want rest, you want peace, then we have to say, Lord, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to drive this out and I'm going to let you do the work in my life. I want to be like Caleb, that believe in God's promises with patience. I want to leave you with three final points. That we would believe in God's promises with patience. Number one, that we would believe in God's presence with faith. What did he say? The Lord will be with me. Believe in God's presence with faith. Believe that God's going to be with you. And finally, that we would believe in God's power with vision. And I will be able. Maybe today you say, you know what? I want to be like Caleb. That I, I don't gaze now at the problems. I don't gaze at the mountains. I don't gaze at the giants. I gaze and I stare at the promises. I may glance at the problems, but I gaze at the promises. <laughs> and if God is with me, I will be able. How many of you guys can say amen to that? Can we stand?